You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 105 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And as usual, we got some follow-up, and our first bit of follow-up is about Medium. Uh, one of our listeners uh, hit us up on Twitter and uh, told us how he, quote, plogs, which surprisingly, you know, this is a concept I'm familiar with, but had never heard plog as a word used for it. Um, <laughs> you but, can't say that seriously. It sounds funny every time. <laughs> it's plog. It's plog. Um <laughs> It means platform blogging, and that's people that don't host their own website, but just use something like, God forbid, LinkedIn or Medium or Facebook to run their, quote, blog. And uh, he, he was using it as his analogy for how he cross-posts a Medium. And uh, instead of going through the pain of setting up like a separate RSS feed that has a, hey, I also blog here, different footer, or any of that nonsense, uh, he just uses IFTT, or I-F-T-T-T, as you might refer to it, um, which uh, many of our listeners may know of it, but that's a if this then that. It's a it's a tool for connecting services um, and chaining commands basically between them. So you know he he blogs on wherever he blogs, probably a WordPress site, and then Ifty will take that and say Medium take this. It, I mean, it seems like an easy way to do this kind of cross posting, right? Like there are social services that have always done this, where it's like, oh, if you use. Hootsuite or Buffer or TweetDeck or whatever, you can tweet, but it'll also go to Facebook and it'll also go to your LinkedIn profile. And I mean, the, this idea of post once, have it land on 10 different places, I think is really old. But um, the con- the complaint, I guess, or the concern with uh, like when Google Buzz, remember Google Buzz? That was oh, a thing for man. a while. <laughs> when, when that was a thing. You for like its, email? Its very... <laughs> We're making it social. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nobody nobody liked it. It was terrible. But <laughs> one of its major uh, like drawbacks, one of the things that kind of ruined it was that you could post to it sort of from anywhere. So people would tweet and it would go to Google Buzz, but nobody read Google Buzz. And I feel like, you know, in Medium's defense, because we, we had some negative things to say about it, but Medium is not suffering from that, right? You're posting to Medium because there are people reading Medium that are not also reading your yeah. your personal blog. They're so not that, going to your WordPress site. Right? <laughs> so that their cross-posting, I think, is potentially really beneficial. But like I, I like the idea of the custom footer or something that is going to say like, hey... Now that I've, you know, now that the first one was free, come back to my my WordPress site or my blogger or my Tumblr or whatever. Come back to my go back to my place. (laughs) Hey, baby. So, I mean, what what do you think about this? Like, I know you maintain a, a nice portfolio website. Like, do you see any value to this? Do you think you'd ever do it? Uh, if I felt like I was regularly writing pieces and I would call them pieces and want people to read them and like try to influence opinion or be a thought leader. I don't know. I'm making using all these bad buzzwords, but um, if I was writing regularly, I'd probably seriously think about it. But as it stands, I post like once a month uh, is generous for how often I blog. (laughs) And it's usually like, Hey, I made some stuff. Isn't that fun? And that's about it. So um, it doesn't, it's not something I'm going to do. But 
I, I understand people that are regularly writing that, you know, kind of want to build that audience up. It, it could be a useful thing to do. Well, so do you want to hear a weird IFTTT story? Sure. <laughs> so, so I, uh, I was in a meeting and I happened to have a pair of the IFTTT socks, right? With, you know, their colors, like in an, in an Argyle pattern. And someone in the meeting said to the other people in the meeting, like, oh, are you guys familiar with IFTTT? Let me tell you a little bit about how it works. And I said, oh, I have my IFTTT socks on. And the person kind of looked at me like, that's a weird joke. And I, <laughs> at that point, I was like, well, I have to deliver now. So yeah. I had to hold my leg up and like pull my, my trousers back a little bit. And I was like, see? And he, to be fair, the, this person was, was very cool about it and was just like, that's strange. Anyway, <laughs> and just kind of went right back into the meeting. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know how I expected this to turn out, but we all know I have these socks now. Uh, yeah, I have a Zoom tattoo. It's not that level, but... <laughs> no, thank God it wasn't. Um, so as far as uh, cross-posting goes, um, I actually, I have a question for you. As, as the kind of uh, creative that you are, where you're doing a lot of like visual stuff right now, and you've done a lot of music historically... Um, you do this kind of cross-posting, but more with a service like Instagram, right? Yeah, Instagram's kind of like a nice public log. And I think that's because so far, Instagram hasn't ruined itself too badly. And uh, it's really like one of the things I actually like about the design of Instagram is people can't put hyperlinks in comments. It's really meant to be about talking about the things someone actually posted there and not, hey, come over here, come over here, come over here. And so... Um, I really like that that a lot of the people posting visual art to Instagram, even though they compress your image and it's not like it's not like your portfolio where you'd be like, "Look at the highest quality." Um, it's just nice as an observation medium. Well, so I guess the hashtags are are hyperlinked, though, right? To the hashtag search, yeah. so everything is hashtag blessed, hashtag winning, hashtag gym, hashtag but since loving it's it. It's not a service based on reading. <laughs> You're not trying to find text content. It's fine, and like it, it auto collapses their initial comments, so you can scroll past it and never see all the hashtags. And I actually, find that it's like actually useful that everything is really finely detailed in how it's uh, tagged. Um, you go to pixel art as a tag, and you find a bunch of pixel art, and no one's saying, "Hey, come here, come here, come here." <laughs> yeah, people are are heavily incentivized to use those tags, but also to make them accurate because that's the only currency you have is yeah. is hashtags. So yeah, I do cross post and then I mean it's I there's I have some qualms with how it cross posts to Twitter and Facebook because um I guess there's no way they you know it's a different user space so they can't carry your at mentions over to Twitter and have and trust that they will line up with actual users on Twitter. But that was kind of, you know it's kind of annoying um and if I tag a person in Instagram it doesn't tag them in Facebook um which presumably they could know, but maybe they, they, it's like a blood brain barrier. They don't let Instagram know <laughs> what Facebook's doing. Yeah. That one does seem a little more, um, like laziness and less like a technical barrier, <laughs> right? They could absolutely 
let Instagram say, oh, Michael Edwards on Instagram is Michael Edwards on Facebook. I know who that is. And this person has been tagged and I know who they mean, right? And obviously some people might want to opt out. They use a pseudonym on Instagram, but they're themselves only with friends on Facebook. But that could still just be a switch. You could flip. Well, and even there, I mean, if I'm friends with you on Instagram and on Facebook and I go to tag you on Instagram, it could even just show you know, oh, pseudo Michael here on Instagram is what you know as Michael Edwards on Facebook because we know that those are the same person, right? Yeah. And and it could be surfaced in that way. And I'm sure I'm committing the fallacy of being like, oh, it's not that problem. You could code that up in an <laughs> afternoon. But I mean, I got some have... easy changes. Can you guys do this? <laughs> yeah, right. Could you just uh, thanks roll this for out calling it easy, client? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they do own both platforms. It feels like it's even if it was hard, it's still within the realm of possibility for them since they, you know, it's one company yeah. that backs them both. Yeah. But And I maybe, don't lose any sleep over that. I mean, no. when I cross post, <laughs> it's really about people seeing what I made and not about if I tagged everyone perfectly. <laughs> well, okay. So this is a perfect segue into my continuing adventures with social media. So uh, before I, I say anything else, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, we we follow each other on Twitter and 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 on Instagram, and we're Facebook friends. If you post something like a, a you've been doing these awesome pixel art uh, like profile pictures, <laughs> if you post those, is it weird if I like that on like all those platforms? Because when when you do that, if you like something, you're really sending that message to everyone else as much as yeah. you're sending it to the person, right? It's like when you post happy birthday, it's not because you're wishing that person a happy birthday. It's because you want everyone else to know you're wishing them a happy birthday. So what yeah. do you think about that? Like, is it weird when you get three notifications that it's like lines like this on Twitter, lines like this on Instagram, lines like this on Facebook? I don't really think about it. I think the, the real thing I worry about is, is it really annoying that I post this three different places and you already saw it and you're like, uh, here it is again on this other service. <laughs> I mean, the there's not a ton of overlap for me, like for me personally, right? My my Venn diagram of people that I care about what they're sharing enough to follow them in multiple locations, and they're the kind of person who's doing that sort of cross posting is small enough, right? That that yeah. intersection is small enough that I don't find it annoying. But if if all of your friends are tr- aspiring internet marketers and <laughs> and every single post goes to every SEO, single channel, SEO, SEO, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, 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 hashtag. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like it does feel a little grimy when I I embrace what Instagram's about and put like twenty hashtags, and then on Twitter I'm like I look like a, like a god awful <laughs> bot posted this. <laughs> I've been noticing that a, a few of the people I've started following just recently are heavy, heavy Instagram users, which is fine. But for me, it's it's weighted the other way where I'm more of a Twitter user who also uses Instagram sometimes. And I will see their their tweets and it's just, you know, 140 yeah. characters of hashtags and then a tiny little link to Instagram at the end. I'm tempted to not have Instagram post to Twitter on my behalf because, you know, the images don't show up natively in the timeline anyway that way. And so unless I really care about driving people to my Instagram profile, I I might just say Instagram and Facebook are one publishing and Twitter is a separate publishing. Extra effort, but better result on Twitter. It's kind of a trade-off. Yeah, and that's where every every one of us 
starts to turn into the internet marketer where it's like, well, I want to post this to YouTube so I can link to it on Twitter, but then I'm also going to upload the video directly to Facebook because native Facebook video performs better, and then you end up having to share the same thing 20 different times. And then something like Buffer or one of these tools shows up to be like, hey, what if this were easier? Yeah, give us buying, $5 a month. Yeah. We'll streamline your life. So this is uh, this is the kind of thing I'm struggling with is all these these questions around social media. And I have noticed that Facebook is starting to do a fairly decent job of mirroring what I actually care about. And I think I mentioned this before is the ability to unfollow people. Yeah, Uh, that has been indispensable in my (laughs) adventure back into Facebook, because there are a lot of people who, the binary relationship of friend or not friend is too dramatic. It's like, now I'm friends with this person. I just don't really give a crap about the radio station they listen to and how they keep sharing things from that radio station because they think every joke that radio station makes is hilarious. Yeah. I, I, what is I, the radio station I, graphics? Man? God, I don't know. <laughs> and, and those people are perfectly lovely people. I just don't want to open Facebook and see 50 things from them. JPEG text. Oh, yeah. So that unfollow has been super valuable. But that also means that uh, although Facebook would like to sort my timeline algorithmically, I am taking an aggressive and active role in what shows up. I'm blocking apps. I am unfollowing people. I am really taking a strong stance. Look at how much effort our algorithm saved you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for someone who didn't take five years off of Facebook, it probably is a little bit more uh, tuned over time. No, it just takes a couple bad new friends where you have to go to the (laughs) tuning machine again. (laughs) So do you feel like Facebook is, is... mostly for friends or family or coworkers like definitely i mean i don't know about coworkers um that's a line that a lot of people feel very different differently about but definitely friends and family it's kind of i mean just culturally it's the de facto space if you're sharing photos and you want your friends to see it put it on facebook maybe right. you do it through instagram or you you know it it could be hosted somewhere else but you're putting it on facebook this is an interesting thing to me as as a parent. Um, I really, I don't want to just have pictures of my children like all over the internet and not, it doesn't have to be none because I mean, they go out in public, right? So people have seen them, but I don't want to be one of those people who's just plastering and wallpapering all of social media with pictures of my children. And uh, Facebook for most people is the de facto sharing pictures of my children with family engine. Yeah. But this is actually something I think Google plus did better because I had an exact list of people I wanted to share those photos with, you know, like my parents, my brother, uh, my wife's parents, uh, her sister, right. A very specific curated list and under no circumstances did the photos ever bleed out of that list. You can do that on Facebook. You can, but do you? Does anybody? No, but you can create a group and then you have a drop down to switch every time you post to just that group. So maybe I might have to go through the nightmare of setting that up and <laughs> see what it's like to create a Facebook list. I mean, it, it's ne- definitely not featured or, or like 
made really it's like fundamental to google plus that circles are the way you you do stuff and uh they that's not front and center in facebook but they basically aped all that functionality yeah i mean twitter also has lists but who uses twitter list yeah i guess if you're a real big tweet deck user you might use twitter list to separate all your different (laughs) venn circles Uh, no, that's that's too SEO marketer. <laughs> like every time I think I want to set up lists Thought on leaders. Twitter, I'm like, oh, cool. No, no. Um, yeah. So the the other thing that's been happening to me with this uh, my my social media adventure is um, I now have like 600 messenger apps on my phone, and uh, I don't love it. <laughs> I, I want like a little bit of division from like, oh, this is my like work thing, and maybe this is my personal thing, but. Um, two things happened at once. One, I started this this whole big stupid social media experiment uh, that is mostly positive but can be annoying at times. And two, I have stopped using Google Voice, which means uh, I've separated my SMS back out of Hangouts into the dedicated Messenger app. Um, and so I now have uh, Slack, messaging, or Messenger, Facebook Messenger. I decided to try WhatsApp because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hangouts. And then you have things that are like nominally a messaging platform like Twitter. <laughs> and right? Peach and Snapchat. No, I, you know, I still don't have a Snapchat <laughs> account and I have Peach installed, but I mean, come on. Like, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but you can like put cats and songs and drawings. <laughs> Can you not do that on like everything else? <laughs> it's like the new age kindergarten class of social networks. <laughs> <laughs> Just let children explore. <laughs> I can't. I have an account and I've looked at it and I just can't bring myself to care. And I, I feel really bad saying that. Like this is something that these people have probably poured a lot of effort into. And man, do they really want to get that sweet VC money and turn into 25 <laughs> year old millionaires. But I just like I can't care there's nothing i find compelling about it so is the problem with so many messengers because you have a diverse set of people that are clinging to one of those and you feel like you have to keep them all installed i mean yeah basically it's that i i have overlap with the vast majority of people i care about right like i can if I need to get in touch with you, I have a hundred different ways to do that. And because we talk regularly, I have a preferred way, and that is the way I go to in most cases. But then with some of the people like I've recently connected with or reconnected with on Facebook, I'm like, is this the best way to get a hold of you? Should I text you? Do you want like a <laughs> Twitter DM? Like what what are you Man. do you have a Gmail account? Should I be sending you hangouts? Like I don't know what you want personally. There was a, a good uh, I think it's Jason Kotke did this tweet, but it was Yay, my email has been replaced by eleven different messaging chat rooms that have Giphy installed. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it feels. I mean, especially I don't know why I thought oh no, I I can explain WhatsApp. So because my uh, real phone number is now what used to be my Google voice number, which is the number I actually care about and want to use going forward. I was like, Oh, you sign up for WhatsApp with your phone number. And now I'm actually comfortable doing that. So I installed WhatsApp and then I found a friend of mine who's on WhatsApp and I messaged them and said like, Hey, um, 
I'm literally just testing this. I have nothing valuable to say to you right now. <laughs> and they messaged me back and were like, yay. And that has been my entire experience with WhatsApp. I used WhatsApp briefly as a, a cross-platform option back when I had an Android phone, which I realize is three years ago now. So whatever the statute of limitations for commenting on personal experience with Android, <laughs> it's long gone. But uh, I remember thinking it was like, yeah, this works. It's a messaging app. I wish we could just all agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you you lived overseas for a while when you were younger, and, and you, I know we both have uh, at least a couple of mutual friends overseas. Um, that's the only leverage for WhatsApp I've ever heard, which is if you live in a place where SMS costs a fortune, you can use WhatsApp instead. And I know we get different products in the United States than some people get in like Europe or Africa or Asia. And I, I respect that the needs are different, but I don't really need to replace SMS with some glorified messenger because I already have a thousand of those to choose from. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only significant thing with WhatsApp is it is as close to a drop in replacement for text messaging as possible because your username is your phone number. And they're owned by Facebook now. Yeah, they bought them for some absurd amount of money. $19 billion. <laughs> <laughs> So Facebook Messenger is already its own platform, but man, with WhatsApp, they kind of have an interesting communication empire growing. Yeah, if they buy Slack, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh man, someone's going to buy Slack, aren't they? I just hope if somebody does that it's someone, like a company I... Respect. You know they had a Super Bowl commercial. I was like, Slack is on TV. No, I actually watched the very beginning and the very end of the Super Bowl, um, and that was it. it. I understand we won. <laughs> <laughs> we win. <laughs> we scored more points. Yes, our guys. Yeah. I had nothing to do with. Did better than the other guys that I had nothing to do with. Yay! Uh, there's a like like everything. There's a good onion story for that. The sports team from my area is superior to the sports team from your area. <laughs> it's, it's a completely generic essay that keeps saying like the masculinity of the players of the sports team from my area is more pronounced than the masculinity of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, Weird Al um, on his newest album did a song. That's it's it's like a college fight oh, yeah. anthem, but it's completely it's like what you're really thinking when you sing a fight anthem, which is like our team's great, your team suck, you suck, but it's all <laughs> to like marching band music. Uh, I'll include the the onion link in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash one zero five. Um, should we get numbers. into this? Like, I know we've already been talking. Oh no, we have one more follow up. We have a Google Play Music Podcast Plus edition. God, that name! <laughs> I mean, I know you you just did a little bit of hyperbole, but not that much. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, what's the follow up? Just that you want it and want to know if anyone's heard it. Well, yeah, I I thought for sure. I mean, this is right. This is going to sound a little. Um, uh, a little full myself, I think, but I am a Google Play Music subscriber, so I give them cash money for their service. And I've also submitted all of our podcasts through my account to their uh, directory. So they know that I am a podcast producer and I am a paying customer. 
So I thought for sure when I got the Google Play Music update, I was like, surely they'll have turned podcasts on for me. I'm a podcaster. But no. They take I, their random lotteries very seriously at Google. They, they, yeah, I mean, you know, they're a data-driven company. I respect that. That They're not, unless I'm some huge, like, media mogul, they're not going to play favorites with me, right? I'm not uh, I'm not Dan Benjamin yeah. or Leo Laporte, and I, I respect that. Um but I don't have it, and I really wanted to see how it worked and what the experience was like, uh, particularly because I do use Google Music fairly regularly uh, to see what it would be like to have podcasts sort of in, in the mix. So like, are they near music? Are they music adjacent? And some people said the podcasting features are very lightweight. There's no variable speed playback or some uh. of the things we... <laughs> exactly, right? Some of the features we have come to take for granted are, are not there yet. And who knows? Maybe they'll never be there because it's technically a music playing app. So yeah. yeah. Like, is it cool that podcasts are in there or is it a step towards iTunes where you're like, dude, just give me a Google <laughs> podcast app and let that be it. Which is going to be really weird if this is successful and they decide to break it back out because they had a dedicated podcasting app. Yeah, before. Google Listen. <laughs> yeah. That was that's like ancient history now though. But I mean they've already crossed this bridge and then burned the bridge down and now they're <laughs> looking back over the river and they're like crap, we need to get back over there. I left my wallet on the other side of the river. We gotta <laughs> rebuild the bridge. <laughs> so and this is is this Android only or is this just oh, only being presumably that's probably part of their what why they want to build it into the music app because asking an ios user to install yet another app is a big ask um so i that's probably the biggest motivator to put it in the music app but that's yeah presumably they're going to put it in the music app so any ios user that already has google music will just get it automatically yeah i, I mean and they're going to do a broad rollout eventually right i, I just i can't imagine they would get this far into the process and then be like, no, during the stage rollout, we decided to can this completely. Speaking of terrible failed stage rollouts, <laughs> uh, Twitter is Twitter. still a thing. Man of the hour. <laughs> and this, I think this is an interesting story for us to talk about because this developed uh, very, very rapidly and, there's some larger themes here I want to get your opinion on, um, but we should be clear that when we first started talking about this, between then and now that we're recording and between when now and when this episode releases, the story could completely change because it, there's it's like a non-story. So what, what's happening? Uh, Twitter is heavily rumored right now to be shifting toward an algorithmic timeline from the reverse chronological that they have always had and that is arguably the thing that makes twitter twitter more yeah. than the 140 characters more than the app mentions the fact that it is always a live real-time reverse chronological order stream is sort of crucial to what makes twitter yeah. twitter you've, you're on the pulse of what's happening through the lens of the people you've decided to view present through right plus some really crappy ads mixed in <laughs> well, that's just been growing over time. Um, but but yeah, I, I want to be clear that uh, this was heavily rumored and then Jack Dorsey did a sort of like non-denial denial. And by the time this episode releases, it may have completely either happened or been firmly denied. I don't know. But that's that's the specific news story is less what I want to talk about and, and more the, the themes around it and, and what it means. 
Yeah. And I guess my, my first off the cuff response is that this is the kind of the grand egocentric idea of so many startups in Silicon Valley. It's that they know better. They've got this magic machine that's going to show you awesome stuff that, you know, you, you never even knew you wanted and you just wait. It's going to be great. Also, we have a bunch of sponsored content that we want to shove in your way. <laughs> um, that's just, don't worry about that. And, uh, you know, and it always seems to play out in this, like, there's some kind of biological mechanism that happens where it's like this new and in- innocent creature that comes out like Twitter in the early days. And you're just like, this is a beautifully interesting idea. And, uh, you know, it's different than Facebook. It's different than anything we have. And, uh, you know, it kind of wins and people kind of embrace it. And then the paper cuts start coming, man. And they just start piling on more and more until... You know, either it establishes itself like Facebook or people get so angry they leave. And uh, I don't know if Twitter can become a Facebook. And I don't know why they seem so obsessed with becoming a Facebook instead of being happy that they are a successfully good thing that maybe doesn't need to reach billions of users. Don't you think they are at the stage where a bunch of very, very rich uh, venture capitalists are now saying, Hey, uh, where's my money? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> this has been fun. This party's really fun, man. But who's paying for this? Oh, yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> Shut yeah. it down. Hey, I, I couldn't help but notice that you guys all ate the pizza I ordered. So are you going to like chip in? What's, what's the pizza <laughs> situation? And uh, so with, I want to really emphasize that Facebook has had an algorithmically sorted newsfeed for most of its life now at this point. And I still talk to users every day, you know, friends that are, are not tech illiterate. These are not Luddites. And they had no idea that their Facebook newsfeed was algorithmically sorted. But with Twitter, I feel like you can't sweep that under the rug because it is the primary thing, right? On Facebook, if you log in and you don't see any posts from a certain person, you just kind of assume they haven't been posting. But with Twitter, if you're seeing stuff all like random and out of order and you have no idea what the hell's going on and there's at replies all over the place that seem like they should be related and and, and any other weird way they might mess with the algorithm like that that's going to stand out right yeah. if you walk into a grocery store and all of the milk is like sitting in vegetable boxes and it's not cold and it's like running out of the carton you're <laughs> going to be like hey that doesn't belong there why is this over here i mean i question a little bit that even if someone isn't aware of the algorithmic nature are they actually happy with their timeline or do they just kind of quietly like you know, in a gruff voice, just like, ugh, when they just like, there's just crap that's been shoved in your face. And it's like, I happened to search for Sufjan one day a month ago, and now I just get that <laughs> same ad for that concert I'm already going to. And uh, um, I don't know, like, oh, I liked that guy's post. Now I'm seeing everything he posts. Stop it. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's still like this, this, I don't mean this with all the George Orwell ominousness, but kind of a big brother of like, hey, we know better than you. And But I, I do agree that Twitter has even more defined itself as a place where it's not like that. And so it is a bigger change for the users, um, even though I don't think it's like a rosy paradise in Facebook. <laughs> I mean, a lot of things seem like 
blue skies and green fields next to the cesspool yeah. that is Facebook. But with Twitter, I'm wrestling with this this notion that it is valuable as a service, and I personally de- derive a lot of value from it, and I know people who've gotten far more substantial value out of it activists journalists it's like disrupted news like yeah it's, it's it's been very powerful in a lot of significant ways but if that isn't a profitable thing is it fair like do should we are we right to expect a company to be a non-profit organization for the benefit of mankind <laughs> And I, I know that sounds like a little hyperbolic, but I mean, really, they're a company. Their job is to turn a profit. And every time someone says like, no, this would make the user experience worse. And it's like, yes, it would, but it will make the ad revenue dollars more stable. And that's the thing they actually care about. User, you yeah. know, Users being happy is actually below users using the service. If you being unhappy doesn't make you stop using it, then they're not incentivized to keep you happy. Yeah, well, that's the big test going on right now is people are being very loud about not liking these potential changes, even before we know all the details of the changes. Um, This is a story I've heard on Facebook many times, and Facebook just kind of goes, nah, bro, we're doing it anyway. And they seem to (laughs) just roll right through it, and no one cares. And there's an outrage every time, but then they just kind of move on, and you know, the outrage machine forgets in 24 hours. can Twitter do that though, or or is it are its users more either petty or more dedicated, or um, in some way not going to let them get away with that kind of change? I don't know. I do like that trending is the RIP Twitter <laughs> hashtag. Yes. I mean, speaking for myself, if I log into Twitter and I see a an out of order timeline and I can't toggle that back which would already be annoying, right? But if it was default... That's the way it is on Facebook, and it switches you back to algorithm every time. time. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if, if there is a checkbox that I can check, assuming Twitter actually you know honors it, you bastards who never leave me the hell alone with your highlights on my phone, but <laughs> assuming that there was a toggle that I could switch once and leave it switched, I might consider that an acceptable middle ground. But if I log into Twitter, you know, tomorrow or next week or whatever, and they're like, hey, we changed the order of everything and you can never change it back. Uh, that that might be the thing that made me not like delete my account and take my ball and go home. But Twitter is my primary social network. And that would probably kill that for me. Well, and it has huge like maybe for, for us who have like a couple hundred followers each or something like it's not. You know, it's it's more about our experience reading our timeline. But for people that have large audiences, this is huge implications, and it's a huge power move for Twitter to extract money from people that want to influence their followers. You know, sort of to harness the fact that they've amassed a following. And it's like Twitter's like it'd be a shame if you algorithmically didn't show up as often. You know. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of the move Facebook has made with their pages that their pages got so much worse because they, you know, and I understand the user side that, I mean, Facebook can almost be like, Hey, we're fighting for the user. They were sick of all your crap. So we (laughs) took you out of their timelines, but Facebook pages got so much worse because they, you're never going to show up unless someone has like expressed in 500 different ways that they really want to see your stuff. 
And otherwise, you have to pay Facebook to push your stuff in front of people. And that's made Facebook incredibly profitable. So maybe Twitter's <laughs> seeing that and they're like, ah, I want some of that. Um, but it, it's frustrating and it, it seems like a, a power move um, for those people with big audiences. Because right now they just get to be that loud voice that hits everyone's timeline just like anyone else. And I think there are uh, ways that this could be done a little bit more tastefully. Like right now, if I'm scrolling through my timeline and I see a promoted tweet, I'm like, well, that's an ad, right? Whoever, whatever company, you know, Nike tweeted that and they, I don't follow Nike, but they promoted it. So I'm seeing it as an ad and, and I make my piece with that and I, I just scroll right past it. But if they changed the sorting order, that would force me to be far more conscious of how I'm scrolling through right now. I, I kind of have to slow down. Am, am I seeing things in chronological order? How close are these two tweets to each other that are about a similar topic and, and kind of you lose that news, like live breaking news kind of aspect of Twitter. Or like, you know, all of tech is watching Google IO or, or an Apple keynote at the same time. And you're kind of following the jokes as they evolve. And now it's just like this random shotgun blast of, I don't know if that's like a new joke because Johnny Ive just said something in his white room or if that's from <laughs> an hour ago. And, you know, one, something that happens to me on Facebook constantly is, so I'm, I'm on Facebook and I decide to leave. I go to a different site. And before the page changes, I see a post I'm actually interested in. And then I click back <laughs> and it's gone. I got the, you know, the whole deck has been shuffled, man. And it's, it's in the dead pile. I'm not finding that post again. I hate that. It drives me crazy. Yeah, that is a weird like Facebook thing where <laughs> you, you, you click off and then you're just like, no, wait, wait, you, you try and hit the stop or whatever, but the page, you know, the tab has already gone all white and you're just yeah. like, uh, it's lost. It's lost forever. <laughs> it, it's like a, a missed connection at, you know, you, you saw someone at the bar and you didn't have the courage to go up to them. And then you see them again on the subway and you're like, ah, oh, this time I'm going to say something. And then the, the big rush of people gets on the subway car and they get off and you're like, no, no, I, I want to tell you, I love you. Come back. <laughs> And also, if you post something, that has a tendency to disappear into the ether, too, unless your friends are commenting on it or, post or liking it. Um, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I said that thing. What, did I post the right link? I have to go to my page to find it because it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't really see a lot of stuff surfaced in your own, like your things in your own feed, whereas on Twitter, it's very clear when you became part of the conversation. Yeah, oh, there's I an exact here. notch in the timeline. This is where I am. So what do you think about this response uh, that this this Twitter engineer got? I, I oh. lulled. There, there, I, I, I did some genuine lulling. So the, the title of this tweet is In Which a Twitter Developer Finally Discovers Twitter. And this definitely, um, you know, in the context of all this crap, it doesn't help Dorsey or his case there. Like, he, he's kind of been trying to calm everyone down by going, like, we get it, we get it, we're not breaking Twitter, guys, we got it. And <laughs> so over the course of an hour, this, this Twitter engineer said, Seriously, people, we aren't idiots. Quit speculating about how we're going to ruin Twitter. And then an hour later, wow, people on Twitter are mean. <laughs> and then heh, I've been on Twitter since 2009. I think this is the first time one of my tweets has gone beyond my immediate network. In shock a bit. And 
Um, you know, my response is, you know, the engineer's like, whoa, people can kind of like harass you on the internet. And, you know, thousands and thousands of men and women that have been harassed constantly on Twitter and don't have good tools to deal with it are like, where the f*** have you been? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, did you just realize that this completely open communication tool can be used to harass strangers because that's a big problem on the internet and you could have a hand in solving that. How would you like to, uh, you know, maybe show up and contribute? So it's just a tone deaf moment, um, which doesn't help when they're trying to dramatically change the service with nervous users. I, you know, I saw a headline. I didn't get to read the article, so if I'm completely misrepresenting the content of the article, you should have picked a better headline. But anyway, it said uh, Twitter power users are ruining Twitter, or, or Twitter power users are preventing Twitter from evolving. Like some, like we, the people who use Twitter heavily, are the problem. And <laughs> my visceral reaction to this headline is. The power users that I've seen on Twitter all want to preserve the things that make Twitter Twitter and want to stop things that prevent Twitter from turning into a Facebook clone or into some other thing. And uh, I don't know how that counts as ruining a thing, trying to preserve it. But my feeling (laughs) is if you want Facebook, you know, you should use Facebook. If you want Twitter, you should use Twitter. And if Twitter is trying to become Facebook then completely alienating the core user base uh, is like part of the trade-off, I guess. That's part of the toll they're going to have to pay, you know, potentially losing some users and at the very least a lot of negative feedback. So, yeah, I mean, sorry, blog article I didn't get to read because I've (laughs) I've been traveling. But, yeah, that's that's like a trade-off is you're going to – uh, change the thing that we came here for, right? Like I came to the steakhouse for the steak and then you brought me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it may be a perfectly <laughs> fine peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but that's not what I came here for. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that bothers me the most is that Twitter just seems obsessed with becoming Facebook. And, uh, I mean, I know the answer is because capitalism, because money, because profits have to be chased for shareholders. But, um, why does it have to become a billion user thing? Like, I don't know. I think of like other markets like smartwatches. I don't think they're going to be as big as smartphones because there's something about the form factor of a smartphone could be useful to literally every person on the planet. I don't think literally every person on the planet needs a smartwatch or probably all sorts of other things that are coming that are going to be cool gadgets that lots of people will like. But, you know, the Apple Watch is not going to make Apple $500 trillion ever, even if it's wildly successful. And, like, can Twitter be happy being a different thing? I think the answer is no, but... I think the answer is definitely no, because... More and more, it seems like Silicon Valley startups are wearing on their sleeve that they are a money laundering operation, <laughs> and a lot of good things have come. They're like of that. Vegas, basically. It's just can you can you make it big? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm betting I'm literally betting the company payroll on this, and if it doesn't land on you know the green star or, or, or thirty two black or whatever, then. <laughs> we're all going to go bust. So it really, really, really needs to land on that number. And that's why I, I was so existentially disappointed with the failure of, of app.net because 
<laughs> app.net showed up to solve the problem, but it just could not possibly get traction. And I don't think it's because it was a pay service. I think it's because at that point, no one felt like Twitter was at risk the way people are feeling more recently, right? So yeah. if if app.net showed up today and was like, hey, um, we're trying to do this social layer thing, but what you care about is that we can give you adless Twitter for $2 a month, I think there'd be a, a much bigger exodus than you know when it came on, what was it, like three, four years ago or even longer now? But haven't free freemium games kind of taught us that you can never hit the user levels of a Facebook with a pay service? You're just never going to do it. So here is something I would like to get your your thoughts on. Um, are there tiers that can work? So uh, you don't pay for Twitter. So you log in and you see promoted tweets and you see crap from Ashton Kutcher and you're seeing all kinds of garbage you don't care about from people you don't follow. <laughs> and it's not unusable, but there's obviously uh, revenue generating stuff shoved into your stream or for a dollar a month. You can have that reduced by like 90 percent. Or for $5 a month, you have no promoted ads, no no promoted tweets, none of that stuff. Maybe there's like an extra feature or two that you might care about if you're like a marketer or a celebrity. Um, but everybody still gets the things that make Twitter Twitter. And if you want that to be a less ad-heavy experience, then you can pay money. But doesn't that automatically devalue their ad business? Because... Either they have to compromise this premium feature and say, be like Hulu and be like, no commercials except when they have them. <laughs> or, or you devalue your ad business because you're like, you can advertise to our entire user base except the people that have opted out. And um, sorry, you can't reach them. And so there's not as much. I, mean, I guess the other question is, would they still be collecting literally all the same data about you? They just wouldn't be showing you ads. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head is for an advertiser. I'm going to look at that and say, why are you telling my users that the thing that I'm sending them is garbage that they should pay to avoid? <laughs> Other than that, it is. But it's great content, <laughs> man. We've got experiences we want to share. <laughs> so how does this work? Like, what is the path to salvation or what is a, a potential well, I, I mean, feel I feel like it's got to be in the gray area. It can't be an extreme because you can't get everybody to pay because either they're cheapskates or they literally can't afford it or or whatever their case is. So you can't get everybody to pay and you can't drown us in ads because we know how this works. Your power users will leave and then the network effect will network effect will drag out a lot of other people and then you end yeah. up with just bots posting to other bots about Nike shoes. Well, this is where I like. I want some of the the, the British uh, historically the the sense of the public good and public domain. Like, I don't necessarily want the government running a Twitter service because they're going to censor it and do all sorts of awful things. But I also don't see how capitalism is working for this. I mean, it's working for the profitable platforms in in that sense, but it's not creating the best most awesome service and so do we need a wikipedia like i don't know what the infrastructure looks like how the you know email seems to function and no one owns it as a concept everyone interoperates on it can't we do that with twitter or do is that just diaspora and it, it failed and it sucks 
you know, Wikipedia as a basis for comparison is interesting to me because Twitter is consistently, even though they only have like 30 million users and let's be honest, 29 million of those are bots and, and auto posting <laughs> RSS feeds. Um, but even though they don't have nearly the market penetration of say like Facebook or even Gmail for that matter, um, Twitter is consistently held up as this beacon of free speech and journalism and live news. And it's like the world's communication platform. I think you could probably make an argument to people with money, like I'm going to be an NGO, a non-governmental organization, and I'm going to basically rebuild Twitter, but with no ads, no spammy promotional stuff, no user data tracking. This is going to be a completely, um, what's the word, uh, uh, when you're being like open and generous altruistic this is going to be a completely yeah. <laughs> altruistic a version communication of t- layer the world needs <laughs> right and and we're going to fund it through donations from either our users or, and, and from these 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 organizations that believe in what we're doing so this is the wikipedia of twitter or the firefox uh, mozilla foundation of twitter um i i could believe that if you struck that iron at the right time that that could work yeah I, that's that's what I'd love to see. I mean, I, I think this is we've kind of Twitter has kind of identified like a form of modern communication that seems to kind of like be I don't know how to say it. It's like it's found a concrete form that is pretty stable, at least for the you know foreseeable future. And so we should take it out of proprietary land and make it a an open protocol that is is awesome. <laughs> I don't know. And the stack underneath Twitter is very powerful, right? It's it's a non-trivial feat of engineering that it's able to handle so many users simultaneously and, and all of this. Yeah. But uh, a, a lot of what makes Twitter heavy weight is the tracking crap and the ads crap and, and the inline videos that play automatically and, and all this other kind of cruft. And I mean, it's a joke, the functionality of Twitter. And I don't mean that to disparage the, the, the technical people that built it originally. It's just these kinds of tools have come so far since Twitter was originally created that it's a joke now, like, Oh, in this new JavaScript framework, how long till you can implement Twitter? 30 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes. Hello world. (laughs) It really is. Cause it's, it's text in a database that then gets shown to people when they log into the application, right? It's, this is not Wolfram alpha. This is Twitter. (laughs) Um, and if you stripped out all of the ad tools and all the analytics tools and stuff, uh, you're talking about something that could probably be run pretty lightweight for a reasonable amount of money. And I'm I'm kind of wondering if I should now uh, file for an NGO and, and start looking for, <laughs> for capital from, from some philanthropist. Um, I mean, I think that would only work if you agree and it, it played out in practice that Twitter, it really has kind of read or, you know, the concept of Twitter has reached kind of a stable place that it doesn't need to rapidly evolve that we can, you know, email. Yeah, everyone comes out with a new email client every other week, but email's kind of been a stable thing and people use it terribly, but whatever. Um, like I, I think you could argue we've gotten there with like timeline, short message, social service. Like it's, I don't think there's a giant, there's not an iPhone moment coming for Twitter or something. <laughs> um, I do want to say a little more about the algor- 
algorithm stuff. And um, I don't know, like, would you say you're a little more optimistic on our algorithm future of the robots will show us what we want and we need to stop um, trying to curate our own life? Um, I, I, I'm not against that. I'm not dogmatically against it, but I have kind of fashioned Twitter as a place where that's not what this is. And I really, I really want a space that's just the people I follow and what they're doing. And I don't want all these intrusions and I don't want your smart robot to come show me something like that's, you know, Amazon can have that. Um, I know I benefit from it for, you know, autocorrect. Everyone jokes about it, but software keyboards are way better for having autocorrect um, map suggestions. Like all that's great. That's all good stuff. But there are corners of my life where I'm like, just stay out of it, please. No, I'm I'm with you 100%. <laughs> there are lots and lots of places where I want algorithms and robots to do smart things, even smart things on my behalf where I'm not even involved, right? Google Now is a perfect example of this. I, I want to just open Google Now and see what's useful. I don't want to say, here's what I'm looking for. I just want magic robots to read my mind. That's super cool, and I'm very bullish on that. Um, I also want channels that I have full control over for specific use cases, and those specific use cases might be incredibly niche, or they might be you know more broad, like Twitter is more of a general communication channel, but I, I don't want to give everything to the robots. Even if I'm willing to give most things to the robots, <laughs> there are still things I want to have a certain amount of control over. Uh, a fantastic example for me personally is YouTube. So uh, if you're not a heavy YouTube user or you are and you just haven't realized what they've been doing to you, um, <laughs> when you subscribe to a YouTube channel, you don't necessarily see everything in that channel. Um and this is a shock to some people, just kind of like Facebook is algorithmically sorted is a shock to some people. Uh, subscribing to a YouTube channel in literally no way guarantees that everything from that channel will be into your watch feed on YouTube. So there is a little known feature of YouTube where you can actually get the RSS feed of your subscriptions. And then that is a complete and perfect stream of content that is in no way altered. And I have taken my YouTube subscriptions and actually put them into Feedly. And that is how I consume YouTube. There are a handful yeah. of channels that I want to see every single thing they produce. And then the rest of YouTube is dead to me unless someone sends me a direct link. <laughs> I'm not there to browse around for hours. I have these specific channels that I really care about. They're either funny or educational or, or whatever. But I don't want to miss anything that that channel produces. So that is how I consume YouTube because I don't want them deciding for me. I want to decide... <laughs> yeah that that creator produces stuff I want to see and Twitter up until now and hopefully for the, the foreseeable future will continue to function in the I subscribe or I, you know, I follow this person. So I'm seeing everything instead of s them showing me 10% or 50% depending on how much I engage. Yeah. And yeah, there's just kind of this nanny state feeling about a lot of it of like, Hey, there's too much water coming out of this hose. Let us divide the water for you. And it's like, no, I have apportioned the hose at the power and direction <laughs> I want it to be firing at. I can handle I'm not Michael Richards in UHF. <laughs> and this episode is full of amazing visuals and analogies. <laughs>
Um, uh, yeah, and I think the 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 difference to me is if I go into the interaction understanding that I am making a request of a robot, then that's fine, right? Uh, Google Search is a fantastic example of this. And uh, apparently Alexa is, I mean, Amazon Echo is becoming kind of a poster boy for this. Yeah, I mean, any any of these like smart services or smart devices or, you know, things like like search that are traditionally algorithmic. Like, I don't want to tell Google the specific section of Stack Overflow I want an answer from. I want to tell Google I'm having a problem with my JavaScript. And then it just <laughs> pukes back the best response for the information I gave. Yeah. It. Whereas with Twitter, if I follow like a certain JavaScript developer, like I just want to see everything they post, not certain things based on my behavior, right? My, the behavior that I'm indicating by following them is that I want to see everything they pose. <laughs> and then to not honor that feels like it breaks the agreement. Well, and I, I just worry about the echo chamber of the algorithms constantly tuning it to what it has d- shown you. And it's like, but what would I have done if I had gotten to see those other posts? Maybe I would have really liked them. Yeah, the, the filter bubble uh, that gets tossed around all the time. And I've seen excellent arguments that the filter bubble is a real thing. And I've seen excellent arguments that the filter bubble is not a real thing. And everybody's <laughs> just paranoid. But I think it's difficult to argue that if a neutral, not neutral, if a if a third party that has interests that are secret from you and not aligned with your interests is making decisions on what you see for you, then that makes it even harder to know if you're in the filter bubble or not. Like yeah, it's kind of adversarial in a way. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm, I'm a Democrat, I can follow Republicans on Twitter to make sure that I'm being exposed to uh, viewpoints that are not traditionally my own. But if Twitter decides that I'm a moderate and then it just shows me like a little bit of center left and a little bit of center right. But really I'm like some crazy super leftist hippie. Now I'm not seeing, or maybe even more realistically Twitter decides that you're a more active and profitable type of user. If they show you more right wing stuff or, you know, like some, it's not driven by pleasing you. It's driven by extracting value from you. Yes, absolutely right. Because if I uh, am the kind of moron who violently engages with uh, viewpoints that are different from my own, it's going to be shoving that kind of crap in my face all the time because that's the stuff that I, I reply to a lot and I engage in those conversations and I'm yelling and I'm name calling. And from Twitter's point of view, I'm just using Twitter more. And that's what we've they got care the about. data. He loves it. Yeah, he's, he's on here all the time. He's at replying all hours of the day and night. Right. But that's not actually making me happier. That's more of like making me an unhappy drug addict. Like this <laughs> yeah. thing is bad for me, but I can't put it. I mean, fortunately, I am not this kind of person, but I think uh, a lot of people could be tricked into that kind of behavior where it's, it's a Skinner box, right? They don't actually enjoy using it anymore, but they've been compelled to engage with this content that they either can't resist. Like it's a stupid, funny cat video and they just got to like every single one or it's a, yeah. a, a religious or political <laughs> viewpoint that they disagree with. And, and they just have to at reply to every account that says something that they disagree with. And the person's not actually enjoying themselves, but man, are they engaging? And that means that they're seeing lots of promoted <laughs> tweets because they're logging in a thousand times. Ugh. Yeah. 
God, I'm bumming myself out just talking yeah, about it. Yeah, and you know, that's maybe that's sort of conspiracy theorist, but this is I mean, the profit incentive is a real thing. It drives company decisions like I don't I don't think this is an unfair direction of analysis, even though we aren't claiming any evidence of any of this. No, I mean, and, and even if we uh, didn't, even if this never happens with Twitter or it doesn't happen this week, like the, like the rumor originally was, this is still a thing that could potentially destroy Twitter or any similar service. And because we have observed this kind of behavior in other services like Facebook, we have a pretty good handle on how it changes the experience and how it changes the behavior of users. So it's not like this is all just an academic exercise and it's like, Oh, you don't know. Maybe you'd love it. And it's like, now nah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I wouldn't. And this isn't what I came here for. If you want to do this, then maybe make a different service and call it, you know, flitter and or something but like <laughs> but if you change twitter into that then twitter won't be twitter anymore and we won't have a replacement yeah and right? i think this is the the root criticism that a lot of the 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 people of color and lgbt and, and other marginalized communities um, have kind of been raising about these potential changes is um the algorithmers aren't going to have their best interest in mind and it may just push them even more to the margins. And, uh, um, I think that's a, a valid concern and, um, it would be, you know, is this Twitter's moment of living long enough to become the villain? Like, um, Twitter has been powerful in exposing people to alternative viewpoints. It's been a, a bit of oxygen in cultures and countries that don't have very free press and something about the Twitter machine just couldn't be stopped. And so some truths were able to be exposed or shared more efficiently. Um, that's all awesome stuff. And then this could totally dramatically change the nature of the service such that that's not what happens on Twitter anymore. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, this <laughs> NGO idea is, I think there's some legs to this. Uh, and <laughs> nobody, I, I do not need, uh, I don't need to make money off this. I don't need to get a ton of credit for this. Uh, if somebody wants to become the, the Wikipedia of Twitter, <laughs> like that's, you have my permission to steal this idea because <laughs> uh, I think it could be great. Well, I mean, have you seen those articles in the news right now about the, the, the internet being declared as an independent space, not part of a government, not part of a corporation? Like, we need a declaration of independence for the internet. Um, I do think that's going to be a big tech battle of our and the next generation of, like, everyone wants to own this. Governments want to own it and control it. Corporations want to own it and tax everyone for living on it. Um, Will we have an independent space? Let's hope so. Uh, that's such a tricky thing because there's all kinds of laws around, well, the servers physically reside in this country. Therefore, they're bound by that country's data laws. We just need it's, to launch a bunch of servers into space. and <laughs> yes. Save us, well, Elon Musk. <laughs> we also need space to be declared as not anyone's owned place, but that's not going to last long. I don't know if every Rudy country agreed to that, the but moon. didn't the United States and Europe already do that? But it doesn't matter. The second there's a good reason to end that, it'll be ended. Yeah, you're, you're right. As soon as they, they find the planet made of oil or diamonds or something. Unobtainium. Come on. <laughs> All right. You win. Right, you want, you want to take we, us out? Yeah. 
Uh, so thank you for listening to Flipping Tables, episode 105. Uh, you can find show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 105, and you'll find links to a lot of these tweets we mentioned, including uh, some we didn't quite get to talk about directly, but they're totally relevant to this conversation. Um, and that Onion story about sports teams. It's very funny. You should re- Even if you already heard it, you should go read it again. Um, and while you're there, you should subscribe uh, using the, the RSS or iTunes button, and uh, that'll pop you over into your podcast app on your phone and uh, let you subscribe. And that means you'll get episodes automatically every week. Um, if you don't have a podcast app, you could use Pocket Casts on Android or iOS. Or if you're, if you're on iOS, I like Overcast.fm. It's another great app. And uh, those work great. Um, me and Lions are both on Twitter. We love feedback. He, uh, part of our follow-up this week was uh, based on a Twitter response. So if you want to get on the show and be famous and say hi to your mom, um, <laughs> you can tweet at us and uh, we won't include your motherly greeting. But um, I'm at pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. And Lions, you are? At Lions in Beta. So send us your thoughts. Do you think it's the end of the world for Twitter? Do you think algorithms are horrible or is it going to be wonderful? Um, Let us know. Um, If you'd like to support what we're doing here at Sunrise Robot, including Flipping Tables and all of our other lovely shows, um, you can head to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And we actually recently acquired a couple new supporters, which is awesome. Um, and we're, we're actively thinking of, of things we can invest in to make our network even better. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have something to share very soon on, on some new stuff that you guys can, can look for. Um, some special thanks to our top Patreon supporters, uh, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Algorithmically Sorted Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, and Justin Edwards. That list is so wonderfully long. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) So much. And we'll see you next week. See you next week.